line with half a minute to go. The sharp angle shot shrugged off the shoulder. Rebound out in front. One timer. They score. Hockey is on the horizon for the first time in nearly two years. 581 days separates the last time Embry-Riddle saw game action at the regional tournament back in February of 2020 until September 10th of 2021, just a few days away from the Embry-Riddle home and season opener against the Florida Gators. Hello everyone, I'm Nick Gimble, play-by-play broadcaster for the Embry-Riddle Eagles Club ice hockey team, and you're listening to episode three of the Inside Edge. Later on in the podcast, we will be joined by team president Jordan Shepard to talk about his hockey background and his role as team president. Technically his second season as team president, but this will be the first time that his presidency has game action. As promised, we're going to take a look into the Florida Gators just for a couple of moments before we get to that interview. But first, we want to talk to you about Central Scoops. Located in downtown Bonnell, Florida, this family-owned shop has been dubbed the one with the really good ice cream. Serving Hershey's ice cream with an interior decor inspired by the famous 90s TV sitcom Friends, at the corner of US-1 and State Road 100, just west of Palm Coast, it is a can't-miss destination when visiting Flagler County. Be sure to mention that you heard about Central Scoops from the Inside Edge to receive 15% off your total order of $10 or more. Trust me, it's well worth the trip and they have the best banana splits. Now, I had the opportunity to reach out to the University of Florida club hockey president, Connor Nichols, and I had the opportunity to ask him a couple of questions about his team and how they are preparing for their season opener against Embry-Riddle. Now, Connor mentioned that his team is going to be made up of mostly underclassmen Although they had many notable returning players, they have been fortunate to bring in some top-level talent that'll make up a big part of their team and be big factors in their success, said Nichols. Um, A couple of those players that showed up to tryouts, Vinny Marino, Philip Vanderlot, and someone that I had the opportunity to cover this past January when the United States Premier Hockey League had their hub city in Tampa, was Matthew Burkle-Jasek. A Tampa native played high school hockey for Plant High and a member of the Tampa Scorpions 15U AAA team back in 2017-2018. Also a member of the Florida Alliance U16 and U18 AAA teams. But this past season, he spent 41 games with the Boston Junior Bruins of the USPHL Premier Division. Two goals, 11 assists for 13 total points, only amounting to 16 penalty minutes too. So he's not a player that's going to get off kilter too much. But when I was covering the Hub City Tampa event 
Burkle Jasic was a player on the Junior Bruins that was a game-breaker. He was someone who could take over a game, and that is something that is very hard to do at the premier level. So he's going to be a player that Florida is bringing into their D2 team that the Eagles are going to have to keep an eye out for that they're not going to have too much homework done on because he is a newcomer to this Florida Gators team. Now, something that I have to correct myself on from the previous episode of The Inside Edge and something that Connor was able to inform me more about was that UF will be playing and practicing out of the Advent Health Center Ice facility in Wesley Chapel and not at RDV Sportsplex in Orlando like I had originally thought. Now, I was correct in mentioning that the Jacksonville facility that they normally play at is under construction. That's where they would have played their home games and practiced. But because the Jacksonville Icemen purchased the facility and are currently undergoing renovations to make it a multi-ranked top-tier facility in the state of Florida, it's currently down and out for the count right now. So UF had to find a new home rink, and that just happens to be an hour and 45 minutes away from Gainesville. Connor said they only get to practice once a week, and it requires a high level of commitment from not only their players, but coaches as well and anyone involved to make that trip week in and week out to devote so many hours towards traveling for the team, not only for practices, but sometimes for meetings because... UF online students are also able to participate in their club athletics, so they may have online students participating that are not near the Gainesville campus. Now, I also asked Connor about the hostile environment that his Gators are about to walk into this weekend, and he said that his team is a little bit nervous because it's a daunting task against a rowdy Eagle home crowd. But they're also looking forward to playing in front of that ruckus crowd, no matter how hostile the environment is. For some of these players, this is going to be the first time they've ever played in front of a crowd that consists of more than friends and family. Take someone like Matthew Burkle-Jasic that I just mentioned earlier. The Boston Junior Bruins premier team didn't bring in a whole lot of fans when they played in Marlboro, Massachusetts. And there were no fans at the Hub City Tampa event. So all of these young players that UF has brought in could be game-breaker skill players, but it's going to be how they compose themselves on the ice along with how they play their game in front of that Embry-Riddle crowd. And even though UF doesn't have a home rink in Gainesville, Something that caught me by surprise when the schedule update came through the wire a couple of weeks ago, and something that I had to flat out confirm with Connor when I messaged him and had a chance to talk to him, UF had enough players to field a D2 and a D3 team. Something that I found very interesting because it's a two-hour drive just to play the game of hockey for these Gators. So the fact that they're able to field two teams is impressive enough, but also the way that Connor is talking about his teams at the D2 and D3 level, the Eagles are going to have to come on the ice on Friday 
with their head on a swivel and make sure that they're not going to be caught blindsided thinking that they're going to walk all over this Gator team and go 3-0 and in three years against this UF team. So this will be the first weekend in Embry-Riddle program history where we will have a double header of two Eagle teams taking on an opponent in game action. The 7 p.m. puck drop slated for the D2 team is going to stay, and it will be the same throughout the rest of the season with these double headers. So the D2 team puck drop will be at about 7.10 to 7.15 after warm-ups start at 7 o'clock, and then 9.30 is the start time slated for warm-ups for the D3 team directly after that D2 game. So if you're going to the home opener on September 10th, make sure you stick around after that first game to get a second dose of Eagle hockey and to get your first look at your 2021-2022 Embry-Riddle Eagles. Now, as mentioned earlier, we're going to bring on team president Jordan Shepard. But first, we wanted to talk to you about the Plastic Flamingo. Opened in 2020, Brittany Hayward and her all-female team of artists in Daytona Beach are located directly across from the Daytona International Speedway. Just seconds away from the Embry-Riddle campus, whether you are looking to get your first tattoo, add to your collection with a gumball machine tattoo, or get a lash lift or waxing, the Plastic Flamingo is your go-to destination. It truly is one of the most welcoming tattoo environments you will ever find, along with the highest quality work in the area. You can follow Brittany on Instagram and TikTok at HeyBrittany, that's H-A-Y-B-R-I-T-T-A-N-Y, or visit their website at PlasticFlamingo.inc to book an appointment. And now, Team President Jordan Shepard. Well, I'm pleased to be joined now by Embry-Riddle Hockey Club team president, Jordan Shepard, for the second interview of the Inside Edge. Jordan, thank you so much for hopping on. Thanks for having me on. So, Jordan, just before you joined Embry-Riddle, you were a member of the Connecticut Nighthawks USPHL premier team. I'm also a product of the USPHL, but I want to get your input on what your USPHL experience was like for that one season you were with Connecticut and what drew you to Embry-Riddle? What was their recruiting process like? Well, to start off with, with USPHL, I was uh, recruited just at uh, a tournament called the Chowder Cup in Boston. Um, I had never heard of it. And then I ended up going to play there uh, for a team called Canada West and then uh, Connecticut Nighthawks coach was there and, and talked to me after the, one of my games. And I went in there the first year after – this was the first year that they had the NCDC, so they developed Elite Premier and NCDC. Um, and I think the for just for me to go and kind of live hockey as a job for a year was, was pretty uh, – a pretty cool experience. We were practicing twice a day. We had workouts in between. We played, oh, shoot, 40 games, I think, um, not including playoffs. And I had a really good group of guys, and I really improved uh, both on and off the ice, and it taught me some stuff off the ice as well, how to live away from home and kind of support for yourself. 
and I honestly enjoyed it a lot. The quality of play was really good. Um, I, I got nothing but good things to say about the league and the team as well. So, And what are you studying now at Embry-Riddle and how big, I, I mean, you're playing college hockey, you're a student athlete, but what drew you to Riddle academic-wise? Ever since I was 10 years old, I wanted to be an airline pilot. So that was kind of like, if hockey doesn't work out, that's what I'm going to fall back on. And as I got older, I realized uh, probably not going to make it in hockey. Um, I actually got an email from Ken Burns in like November, uh, the year I was playing with uh, the Nighthawks. And I'd kind of known about Embry-Riddle for a little bit. But being from California, I'd only ever known about the Arizona campus, really, not the Daytona campus. So I actually went, I saw Ken's email and liked kind of what, what I was hearing, but I was thinking, well, maybe the Arizona uh, campus also has a team. So I applied to the Arizona campus and had, I got accepted and, and went to tour and they didn't really have anything there. Went to the Daytona campus and met Ken Burns, met Bob Joyce, met a couple of the players when I saw the rank and and really liked kind of what was there. I really loved the campus uh, being in, at the time I was an aeronautical science major and it, now I'm an aeronautics major. Not, nothing's really changed with that, but um, kind of like seeing that I blended in really well at the campus. I really liked the people that were there. I felt really comfortable there. And ever since then, it's been no turning back for for me. And that 2018-2019 season was your first full season, your freshman season with Riddle. Was there a shock factor walking out onto the ice for your first game at the Daytona Ice Arena and and seeing and feeling the atmosphere in in the packed rink? Yeah, I mean, that was the first time I'd ever played in front of, like, actual fans that weren't just parents. And, like, I stepped on the ice and saw, like, how big and how loud it was. And I just had to tell myself, like, it's just another game. You know, there's nothing different. Ice is the same size. We're all playing with the same rules. Tried to kind of separate myself from that. And, you know, it was also – I'll never forget that game. I did score two goals. And I'll just never forget how loud it was. You go into the locker room after the intermission. You couldn't hear yourself think. That whole freshman year, that it was kind of an up and down season for us, but it was really the the transition from uh, expectations wise for the team of being able to just kind of field a team and now expecting to compete and expecting to win every single game. You kind of see that transition throughout the season and kind of the mentality through the the players from the year before into the beginning of our season, and then from the end of that season into my sophomore year, the nineteen twenty season where we went to the national championship. And who on that team during your freshman year kind of became your mentor, took you under their wing and showed you how to manage club hockey with academics? Honestly, it was kind of a mixture of of the seniors. Uh, I really liked Caputo. Andrew Caputo was really good for me. And he's not, I didn't know him too well. But Andrew Newland, we called him Cheech. Um, he was kind of just telling us, like, on the ice, you know, you need to know when your exams are and when you need to be to class so you can be at practice every single day. And the captains were really, uh, really emphasizing on commitment and showing up to the rink and knowing when you're supposed to be there. And 
planning ahead of time for if you had to leave early for class or uh, being able to stay. So it was kind of a, it was, it was, wasn't really anybody individually. It was kind of a whole group effort. We kind of all embraced each other from the beginning because you know, we were, it, it's not like normal hockey from my past where we're all trying to get to, let's say D1 college hockey. We're all there because we, we know what we want to do with our careers and we're there because we want to play hockey. And it's, it's a different, when you kind of have that mentality in the locker room, it makes it a lot easier to, to bond as a group. There's no internal competition where I want to take your spot on this upcoming you know, team or I want to get scouted over you. you know, we, we all want to do the same thing. And, and that that's really important for, for team chemistry. And that's, what's what makes it good so and then after that one full season you played eight games in in the previous season the 2019-2020 season and then ended up joining me in the broadcast booth uh for the for the youtube live streams but what went into the decision to back away from the on ice game at the start of that 2019-2020 season um, there's a few reasons I've been playing competitive hockey ever since I was eight years old. I, I was burnt out. Uh, that was what I was just a lot, uh, to play and go to the rink, uh, at five thirty in the morning twice a week and then be gone or have all your weekends booked. And, uh, I also to step away from the playing side, I've always been interested in broadcasting. I've always been interested in managing, uh, and as I've kind of, you know, played on different teams, I've kind of kept an eye on like, what would I do better if I, what would I change if I was in a position to change things? And obviously I've always wanted, like I said, I've always wanted to do broadcasting. So I wanted to jump into the booth with you as soon as I possibly could, because that's something I've always wanted to do. And also kind of wanting to, to give myself a different perspective to try to help the team off the ice as well. Uh, having a little bit of, as a college student, I want to have a little bit of time to go and, and kind of relax. And it's a big commitment to play on this team. And it's not, the guys are really dedicated and it takes a lot to do that. And I didn't want to step away from the team completely. I wanted to still help out and, and be a person for the team off the ice. And that's what led me to want to run for president of the team is as a player, as I'm, person that has played but isn't playing anymore I can dedicate more time to the team to make the experience better for everybody and give everybody uh, the best chance for you know, sponsorships and better fan attendance and lower dues and things like that and we just mentioned that you are team president ran for team president at the end of your sophomore year what was it like going through your junior year without being able to participate in any team activities there was no team but I mean there was still things that had to be done behind the scenes I'm sure yeah it was strange uh, the summer leading up to the last the start of last when the season was supposed to be we had a schedule put together the executive team uh, me Matt Freiling uh, Amanda Fallon and Kayla Taylor the four of us and Ken Burns we all worked really hard we wrote letters to take out to different businesses. We reached out about we reached out about getting things for promotional nights, and we kind of had everything set ready for the season. And we 
had this kind of return to play plan with the university and held tryouts, picked a team, and then just just practiced and never played a game. And it was it was a little. Uh, I felt really really bad for uh, the senior players that didn't get that chance to play in their last season. Um, but in a sense too, it was also looking ahead into the future for the team. It also helped us financially. We didn't have a season, but we still had access to student government funding. So we could fund things that previous seasons we needed to fund, but didn't necessarily have the money to. We were able to fund things for the team last year. And now going into this year, we're in a much better place with the rank and equipment for the players. And so it kind of goes, it, it's, it was good and bad for me. I really wish we would have had a season. Um, we all wish we would have had a season, but I'm also really excited about this year from what we built on last year. And with you being a, a former player, especially uh, of this team, you kind of have um, a dual viewpoint because there are a bunch of collegiate teams where the team president has never laced up the skates and they, they may not understand the inner workings of the locker room. So how much do you and Marksy team up when making different leadership decisions? Because I'm, I'm sure you guys can share different viewpoints of what needs to happen both on and off the ice. Yeah, we talk a lot. And even outside of Marksy, even just the players, I mean, I, I try to really make it known that any of the players can come and talk to me if they need to, if they have questions about anything. I uh, try to make, make myself known to all the new players it, it makes a difference for sure for me knowing kind of what's appropriate, what's not at different times of the games, uh, talking about stuff during the games for the players, what the players need for practices, uh, what game schedules look like, starting times look like. And to go back to your point too, there are also some presidents of clubs that are players on the team and they don't have any time to run any duties outside of just playing. So that was uh, big for me, knowing that I can, like you said, I've seen both sides. So I've, I can see one side, but I can, I can put in the time from the other side. And that I'm hoping is making the experience the, uh, better for our players. And we've got the season and home opener coming up in just a couple of days on September 10th against the University of Florida. What is the feeling like around the team and around campus going into that opening night and finally getting on the ice in game action for the first time in a year and a half? It's just going to be so emotional for everybody. Um, even just when you step on the ice for a warm up, when the team sets on the ice for warm ups, and you and I will just be up at the at the booth, just kind of sitting there soaking it all in. It's been over a year since we last played a game, so. I'm really excited for it. So, I, I think one of the things I'm most excited about it is the starting lineups and, and all that because that is one time when all of the anticipation is just building up and the the hostility of a college student crowd when when the opposing lineup is being announced and then the the exuberance and the cheers of when the home team is being announced is something that I'm really, really looking forward to. Uh, and it's almost like a minor league professional team where you can't really have a season unless there's fans in the stands because there's a lot of revenue that's generated in 
in the students and the, and the tickets that are sold at the door that you can't really get anywhere else. Yeah. And that was one thing for us last season is one of our options was to play games without fans. And we were really trying to think like, well, we're going to lose this much money by not having fans at the games. And that was a big struggle for us just to figure out where to bring in that, that funding from. Cause that the fans are a crucial part of the team. They help pay for our, uh, our ice time, our team buses when we play road games. Um, and at the odd time we have to spend the night somewhere. They're, they're critical. So I, I'm with you. I think the, the starting lineups are kind of um, going to be when it just explodes, I think. Minus the, the first uh, goal, I think it'll get pretty loud as well. The building is going to erupt once that first goal is scored. I, I'm, I'm, really excited for for that and that goal call is just going to be really emotional i feel like it 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 will be uh probably be at a loss for words at that moment kind of at a loss for words now just thinking about it so well i'll i just got one question one more question for you and, and i'll let you leave after that but i wanted to know what does life after emory riddle look like for jordan shepherd um for me I, i'd love to go be an airline pilot I don't have any company set in mind. I just love flying. So right now I'm, I'm flight instructing, trying to just build my hours. And depending on what happens after I graduate, really open to taking any kind of job. You know, maybe I'll pick up some kind of corporate flying job or an airline job or something like that. But um, just with the with COVID and how uncertain the, you know, the whole industry's been with, with rebounding for jobs, I think it's good to kind of see it rebound so soon to give not only me, but all the other uh, seniors this year, you know, a good chance at getting a job right after we graduate. Well, Jordan, I really appreciate you hopping on and I look forward to seeing you finally face to face and putting on the headset with you in a couple of days for that home opener. Once again, September 10th, 7 PM puck drop, be there for the first game for Ember Riddle since March of 2020 if you can't be there, join me and Jordan on the YouTube live stream. Jordan, thanks again for joining me. Thank you for having me. Thanks again to team president Jordan Shepard for hopping on just a couple of days before the home opener for your Embry-Riddle Eagles club hockey team. Once again, Friday, September 10th, a double header against the Florida Gators. The D2 team slated for a 7 p.m. puck drop. The D3 team right after at 9.30. If you can't make it out on Friday night, be sure to join me and Jordan on the YouTube live stream on the Embry-Riddle Eagles YouTube page. Both games will be live streamed right there on the YouTube channel. And you don't want to miss any of the action. We'll have every home game of the Embry-Riddle Eagles season right there on that YouTube page. So this is a good chance for you to get your feet wet with our first live stream that has been newly renovated and a new updated broadcast coming your way. So if you've been with us for a couple of seasons and you like the broadcast so far, it's only going to get better. Once again, we will see you Friday night, September 10th, 7 p.m., the Embry-Riddle Eagles against the Florida Gators for the first time in 581 days. Hockey will be back in Daytona. Thank you for listening to the Inside Edge. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, 
Wherever you listen, we thank you for listening. Enjoy the rest of your day.